Welcome back to Stars Like Us. I'm Aliza Kelly, and I am sitting here with the beautiful Caroline Calloway, who is a writer, an artist, an influencer, a wearer of a beautiful pink blazer, which I have been meaning to ask you where you acquired such a gorgeous thing. Oh my gosh, this is actually so great because I love this company. It's Talk Clothing. They were featured in French Vogue as being like the secret spot where French girls buy their clothes. Oh shit. And T-A-C-H clothing. And French girls like have all the answers. Yeah, and they know. They really do yeah. know. Have you, <laughs> if you've ever seen a French girl, then you know what we're talking about. But if we're going to set the scene, I just feel obligated to tell you that I'm surrounded by magic in this apartment. Before we start this podcast, Elisa literally explained different spells. There's a jinx remover. There's a banishing oil. Like, there's not a single thing in my apartment that I would be like, a witch in New Orleans gave this to me. (laughs) But, like, I feel like you have, like, I feel like half of the things in your apartment start with that story. Well, well, as I also mentioned, is that I had to take a step back from, um, from anointing myself in all of these magical oils all the time because (laughs) it was I I realized um I I was happy to discover that I am indeed a very magical person who can do a lot of things but the rule of magic is that it always comes back threefold so if you don't really know what you're working with just lay off (laughs) and I had to learn the hard way so even though I was like doing a whole show and tell for you earlier I that's also like now I'm like forget it like (laughs) you never saw anything (laughs) so I am so excited to have you here on this podcast this is the first time that we are meeting so it's really cool to be able to connect um in this type of a, a narrative since you are a professional storyteller. Yeah, I am. And so are you. I am too. But t- can you tell me a little bit about how you began your journey as a storyteller? Um, well, I think it probably began when I was 17 and I had my dad take me down to the local courthouse in Virginia, in suburban Virginia, where I grew up. And I had him legally switch my middle name and my last name. I was born Caroline Calloway Gottschall, and I'm now Caroline Gottschall Calloway, um, because I thought that Calloway would look better and cleaner on the covers of books. And I also just thought it would be better for, for branding and for building. How did your dad feel about that? My parents are really supportive and really unlike me in every way so they understood it not at all except for the fact that it was deeply important to who I was that I pursue like this very grand vision of storytelling the year was 20 or 2000 eight maybe 2009 so like Instagram hadn't been invented yet like I was listening to MGMT. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't cool enough to be listening to MGMT. But yeah, so it seemed very outrageous that I like already had these big uh, dreams and this sort of like nebulous confidence around the fact that like people would care about my stories. But my parents were so great and really encouraged that in me and let me legally change my name before I could do it myself as an 18-year-old. And... 
Um, and yeah, I loved writing classes, and I would make mock-up book covers in my apartment late at night. And then when Instagram was invented, I got it and started started exploring like telling stories on the app of Instagram. And I started trying to be very open-minded with how I look at the app itself, because I think we all, myself included, walk around with a cultural bias towards social media, <clears throat> which is that like, it's dumb. Like if you <laughs> if you write the same sentence in print in a leather-bound book and the same sentence in a tweet, one of those sentences is dumber. Mm. Even though it's the exact same sentence and it's just a bias we all have, but I really worked on letting go of that like prejudice towards the medium of social media and trying to give myself permission to think of all of those sentences the same, just whether I'm writing in a Microsoft Word document or typing with my thumbs or writing with pen and paper, um, to just know that I'm using the same sort of narrative engine in my mind and that that I could exercise it that way. And so I started telling stories on Instagram and I built up a following while I was in college, which was really hard um, because college was hard and on top of that I was building this big real person business and getting my degree and also being very addicted to Adderall <laughs> it just like increasingly addicted to Adderall and that's sort of my storytelling journey and then I spent a while writing less stories but also taking less Adderall and quitting that and now I'm back in New York, this is my fourth month here, like building a life and writing stories online again and in Word documents. And your stories are, well, the cool thing about your stories and about your chart, which we're gonna get into because this is a, this is a really good case study chart, um, is that they are autobiographical but yes. they're also not? They, uh, no, they're actually just are. They uh, are, fully. Yeah, they're not fictionalized at all. I think when I was first building my brand, um, <clears throat> my stories were like really radical within the environment of Instagram. It's hard to remember what Instagram was like in 2015 because it was just a different digital climate. Well, I know that I was using the toaster filter yes. and taking pictures <laughs> of <laughs> the... the foam on my cappuccino. Exactly that period on Instagram, it would be like a bunch of aerial shots of like your breakfast and the hashtag would be like hashtag toaster filter. And I would just write these paragraphs about like missing my ex-boyfriend and being lonely at a new college and a new land. And I left out a lot. I left out how that loneliness was not just loneliness, that it was maybe indicative of of depression, that I was taking more and more Adderall to like self-medicate that depression, that I felt a lot of pressures with my brand on Instagram and trying to navigate friendships at school and people bullying me and making fun of this business, although they also wanted to be my friend at the same time. And so there's a lot I left out, um, both on Instagram and when I sold my first book during college. It's all of the events I included are true, but it was a lie by omission in all that I didn't include. Mm. 
So you sold your first book in college? Yes, my senior year. It was very hard. And I'm still I'm still working on that first book now. So what was the process like of I mean, did it feel like you were living a very fragmented life or did it feel like everything was fitting into place in being able to curate and also live simultaneously? I felt like both. I mean, I think even just like throughout the day, it ebbs and flows and how much I feel like I'm really aligning with my purpose or as a storyteller, as a writer of autobiographical stories of like making things I'm proud of. And then sometimes I veer too far in the direction of anxiety about what people will think about like, I don't know, trying to make something that doesn't please myself but pleases others. But I think that struggle, although it's hard to discuss and is under-discussed for that reason, I think it's a very natural human experience that all creative people go through. So your chart... Um, I'm so excited for this, by the way. Just I let the record show that I am so... I don't know if you're going to have to bleep this out, but so fucking pumped to get Oh, no, my please ch- curse as much as you possibly can. Okay, amazing. I curse a lot. I... I'm just so excited for this. So I, um, so far on this podcast, I haven't, I've alluded to things in people's charts, um, but with Caroline, her chart is very fascinating. And the reason for this is because Caroline is a Sagittarius rising, Sagittarius Mars, Sagittarius moon, Sagittarius sun, Sagittarius Mercury. All so all, this Sagittarius stellium, stellium is multiple planets in the same sign or house and they're all conjunct her ascendant, her rising sign and through the first house. So all of these planets are in her first house. What it does mean is that all of these energies in your house of self you are wearing on your sleeve. You were born during a new moon, which is a really important lunation. Um, It's the beginning of a cycle. So new moon people, you know, if we think about what happens during a new moon, there is no light in the sky at night, right? During a full moon, the sun and the moon are on opposite sides, and we have maximum sun, maximum light in the night, and we can have, like, nighttime harvests. We can go out and, you know, go on adventures and expeditions but during a new moon before electricity you had to stay in and mythologize and think and reflect and storytell that is what a new moon spirit is all about on top of that sagittarius which is the last fire sign of the zodiac is the storyteller of the zodiac no way yes how So the easiest way to sort of break it down is that as the last fire sign, we have have three different types of flames. We have the Aries flame, which is the flame of a match. It's spontaneity, it's movement, manifesting, getting shit done. We have the flame of Leo, which is now a bonfire. It, you know, is like everyone gather around, look at me, I'm a Leo, I'm the center of attention. And then we have the Sagittarius flame, which is a wildfire. Sagittarius is on this quest for knowledge. It is on this journey to bring its fire to every reach of the land imaginable. And as fire, you know, equals passion, 
So that fire is going to go as far as it possibly can to absorb and to um, receive all of the mysteries of the world. But of course, fire can be really dangerous and it can scorch things. So the Sagittarius type of energy is just, you know, I want to be alive and, and learn about everything I can possibly learn about. But definitely if un if if not managed well can lead to destruction in its wake just as a wildfire can it sounds like me during my period of addiction honestly everything you're saying is like chills <laughs> you were also born which is really interesting during mercury retrograde so you were born when mercury in the sky was going reverse through optical illusion and mercury retrograde is a time when communication transmission is skewed it's it really um warps our perspective however people born during mercury retrograde oftentimes end up excelling at communication because they have to work twice as hard to be able to make sure they're being understood and i also see mercury retrograde natally in a chart as sort of like if you've ever been in LA when it rains, everyone seems to forget how to drive. Nobody knows how to operate a car. Nobody knows how to get everywhere. Like if people are skidding, people won't leave their home. Oh my gosh. So LA shuts down. But if you are from Seattle, a rainy city, and you come to LA when it rains, you're like, guys, I like got this. Like I can get to the meetings. I can get to the auditions. I can do all the things. And then I show up and no one is there because everybody is so scatterbrained that when Mercury is retrograde in the sky, we just had one a few weeks ago, that's actually a time when you can like zoom past to be able to manifest and exercise all the things that you need to accomplish. So for you, Mercury retrograde is actually uh, a time to track because it's like a supercharged moment for your chart. Wow, that is so good to know. I love that. And you know, I actually really felt like that um, growing up, like my dad, is uh, really mentally ill and it's hard to communicate with him or to like sense when his moods would change or like what to anticipate like how he would be and I feel like at, even as a child I really had to like overcompensate um, my like emotional awareness and ability to um, understand people and communicate effectively. So I've, I've felt that theme in my life. Okay, so we have all of this Sagittarius in your chart, um, and all of it is in your first house of self. So the first house are things that we wear on our sleeve. It's things that we see. It's you sitting here in that gorgeous pink blazer right oh, now. <laughs> it is the most um, present experience that we can track in astrology. And Starting in November of 2018, Jupiter, which is the planet of expansion, which also happens to be the ruler of Sagittarius, so your planetary ruler, you know, it rules all of these Mars, Moon, Sun, Mercury, went into Sagittarius. So it had had a homecoming where it re-entered its domain. The last time it did this was 12 years ago. And for you, what that meant is... It was leaving the area known as your 12th house, which is all about um, mysteries, secrets, 
unseen things. This is also where we have addiction. This is where we go to jail if we're being baddies. This is where we can have stalkers um, into your first house where everything actually is visible and opens up. And that was a really big day for you, right? Is this 2019 or 2018? Now we're in 2019. Okay, now we're in 2019. Now we're four months ago. Now we're four months ago. Yeah, it was it was huge. I, I I went viral as a scam, which I think is everyone's worst internet nightmare. And the good news is it's not. It's just as bad as you think it will be. But the experience comes with the tools to to handle it um, if you choose to pick them up. I think all major. Uh, just like life things that you don't expect that you could never even imagine would be part of your experience those sort of things that just hit you out of nowhere Um, if you choose to just face them head on and walk through them they can be beautiful in their own way but it was also really scary to just like see myself in the news in this just like totally viral story that's so disconnected from like everything I am as a person and just like everything about me as a human. So how did that happen? Um, it happened with a Twitter thread that basically... Fucking Twitter. Yeah, Twitter's just such a great place for people who want to be snarky. This thread went viral that was just calling my workshops a scam. Like, that I was literally trying to defraud people from their money. And that... And were you, were you hosting workshops at this time? Y- yes, I was. I wasn't defrauding anyone of their money. They weren't... Everything that I said that I would do, I did. Um, But I worked on Instagram stories. So this Twitter thread, the workshops themselves changed over time. And there were different points when I said that I would do different things. And so this journalist on Twitter took screenshots of moments, just stories, where I was like, I'm going to do this, and just sort of like compared them side by side to like what the event actually was, and was like, she's defrauding people. Which that's so fucked up. It's so crazy, but um, yeah, and you know, not all the fans who came liked it. There were like 50 people who came the first day, and I, I, one of them didn't like it and went on Twitter and was like, it is a scam, which really gave fire to that. And and also, we just like I would fucking click on the story like influencer scammer like oh my god I fucking live for a good scam like I'm all about I watch both of the fire festival documentaries like I'm part of the problem I also have this human instinct to like consume scam stories and it was such a juicy story that hit like the day the fire festival documentaries both dropped on Netflix and Hulu and yeah and the it was really um fucked up (laughs) because yeah people were so cruel about it and no one wanted to look into the facts that like the all the other fans who attended loved it i know because i was fucking there and and the truth is like when i do events in the future when i make anything in the future there'll probably always be a few people who don't like it but like no one wanted no one wanted me to be anything other than a scammer and a joke and just something that they could just like shit on which i 
Something that's really beautiful that I took away from this experience is I realized that from my early childhood experiences of being like unpopular in middle school, because um, those experiences really shape us, I had come to think of snideness and snarkiness and even meanness as a component of being cool, that it, was a, it wasn't necessary for being cool, but it was a trait a common trait of people who also had the traits of being interesting, of being cool, of being sort of like culturally valuable. And seeing a lot of uh, like smart journalists just like really be very mean. Um, it made me really evaluate what I think of as cool. And like, not everyone has to like me. No one's for everyone. And there are lots of things I don't like, but I'm not mean to those people. I don't go out of my way to be unkind to them or to make their life worse or to like just hurt them in any way or to like shit on them or like make their life worse or just be snide or snarky. Um, and that's something that I've really had to relearn to love about myself that kindness and and to really look for it in other people and to be like actually your meanness makes you not cool mm-hmm. coolness is goodness it's kindness it's it's not liking everything but it's it's being respectful and like acting with goodness towards everything and i think i tried to have those beliefs but i it this whole experience really made me like re-examine um, if I was really putting that into practice, and I wasn't until this experience. Well, I I think that I think history will be very kind to you. Oh, thanks. I think the truth is the only healthy way to live is to like not really care, you know? Because like if you live for the compliment, you'll die going viral as a scam. Like you have to just be <laughs> That's like. That's a fucking soundbite right there (laughs) (laughs) you just have to be like it will be what it will be and I will like be good to the people in my life and be a kind friend and fill my moments on this earth with interesting experiences and like make my work and when I get sad about it I'll let myself be sad or upset about mean comments but then I'll then I'll let it go and ignore it. And like if good reviews come, I'll let myself be joyful about them and like relish them. But then I'll ignore it and I'll let it go because like you have to feel your feelings, but you can't let the people who hate you or who love you run your fucking life. So did this experience change your perception of being an influencer? Until this scam, I don't think I really, until this story went viral as a scam, I don't think I really considered myself an influencer at all because I tell stories for free on the internet um, and write write books. Like, I want to write books with my life and, like, maybe do other interesting projects to pay the bills because we all need to keep the lights on and like i i have a lot of skills as as a painter as a as a gardener as a storyteller as like someone who makes 
things online that people care about, and I think I deserve to be compensated for that. But I I'd never used my brand in the way that influencers do. I'd never posted a hashtag ad. I'd never sold a post. I still have never sold a post in my entire life. Like I, so it's changed the way I think about influencer or like being an influencer and the fact that like now after having the story gone viral, having seen the story go viral, I realized that like everyone sees me as an influencer and I might as well just embrace it because I just <laughs> I just have I have different battles to pick like you know like it's maybe I am an influencer like maybe at this point in time if you just have a large following you are influencing people and it's not decided by ads or whatever so like that's a strange way that my view of influencers has changed just in that like I now call myself that and I didn't used to identify that with that but like people are always tweaking their sense of identity I don't know if you are going to be able to hear the siren that just went by, but... It's gone. It's going to be edited out. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to make, like, a reporting live from New York City. Joke, but <laughs> Other things Never mind. Be... This whole joke is going to be cut, so you're never even going to hear this, but... Maybe not now. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen yeah. in the editing room? <laughs> um, so there's, an, a, there's that old saying that, like, all press is good press? Yes, yes. And I would like to add to that that... I would like to rewrite that statement. All press is press, <laughs> which I think is a really, right, let's, a really don't qualify smart it. edit on that. All <laughs> press is press. And that has proven so true. I mean, it's, yeah, in the digital age of content overabundance, attention is power. And I, I think there are lots of things that went into making this go viral. I mean, who really understands the way that like viral lightning strikes? But I think there's a lot to be understood about like the case study of what happened with me. And I mean, the two fire festival documentaries coming out the same day, the j larger cultural interest in scams um, from, you know, Elizabeth Holmes to Anna Delvey. Um, and also... I never think I, I don't think I ever would have gone viral as a scam if I had been a young white man charging $165 for five hours of my time. I mean, that sounds like a great rate. Which is, yeah, which is nothing, especially because I organized the whole thing by myself. So, like, all the hours and weeks leading up to it, I was paying myself, like, minimum wage per hour. <laughs> and so, like, when you really, like, all the emails, all the organizing of it, and then the being there and the giving of the energy, like it was a labor of love that I put together just for a really small community. Um, and I just don't think if I were a man that it just ever would have gone, people never would have felt so uh, free to like abuse me. We have three more minutes. Will you, maybe, maybe five more minutes, will you tell me what's to come in the year ahead? January was obviously a really huge time of growth. Um, personally and emotionally, obviously, like learning to uh, like navigate my own self-confidence through that experience, but also professionally because bullying is trauma, but press is press and and people paying attention to you in this day and age is is monetizable. So looking ahead, 
at what we have in store. So Neptune, which is the planet of illusion and fantasy and a lot of what you experienced so far has been very Neptunian because Neptune is the fog. Fog can either be really beautiful and romantic like a Victorian Gilded Age stroll or it. it could be like truly deadly you know if you're driving on Mulholland Drive at night and it's foggy like please be careful you could crash so this planet has been oscillating on what's called your IC which is the base of your chart it's sort of like the root of who you are for a long time creating sort of just like a very nebulous confusing like who am I what am I doing how am I being perceived and it's going to be moving into another section very soon. Oh, that's amazing. So right when? around this time, you're going to be starting a new chapter. This will be happening in... by June. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I I think that's so fascinating. Um, yeah, just everything... I find chart reading so... something that's such a gift of hearing um, a story that, like, aligns with where you've been as I think it brings a lot of peace um and a a sense of like that everything happened as it should have because I think a lot of people carry um uncertainty and self-doubt about their past I think that's a really human feeling and they're very um yeah I think the tools that bring us to a place of confidence and like where we've been and where we're going are very precious so thank you so much for this star chart reading because it was so beautiful thank you so much for being on this with me for being so honest and open you are leading by example of how to to handle even the most difficult circumstances with dignity and grace and also integrity And then just being like a real fucking badass, beautiful, ethereal person. Thank you. (laughs) Badass and ethereal are not words that are usually linked, but in your case, chef's kiss. It couldn't be truer. Wow. I'm leaving here on such a high. I'm actually going to the Met right around the corner from you. We're on the Upper East Side right now. Go check out the Medusa exhibition because she also had to deal with a lot of bad press. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the original Monica Lewinsky. So real. But you know, I actually don't even really think of myself as like a Monica Lewinsky or even a victim that much of this situation. I don't think of myself as that at all. I think it's fucked up what happened, but like I've also I think for everyone who never um who is just now hearing about me and like Googles my name and sees all the articles thinks that this is like that my life began on the internet four months ago but like I've been at this seven fucking years like I built this every day while I was going to college like I've trying to get press for that like trying to do this project trying to do the next thing and like I've I've been working at being like a public figure online for seven years and if I do well it won't be an issue of like um changing I don't know the story of the scam or avoiding it or whatever it will be like stepping into it and learning how to handle being misunderstood and just like gossiped about again and again and again and just like stepping above that noise because the best case scenario is that this keeps happening more and more 
oh yeah I mean I think this is just the beginning yeah, <laughs> that's the craziest part it's like this is this is like my first lesson in how to do deal with this like actual celebrities deal with this every day like some crazy thing about them happens and then it's like another story next day and we're over it and then we're over it or they do something great and we love them that day and then we're over it and then we're (laughs) over it or we're mad again and they just have to like focus on making their stuff and learning how to be a good human to those around them and that's what I'm focusing on but I'm so thank you so much for the star chart reading and I feel like I'm calling it a different thing every time I'm like star chart star reading birth baby star. girl call it whatever <laughs> you would like and um yeah we're gonna sign off and I'm going to ask Eliza to maybe I don't know I'm I'm gonna try to convince her to to reopen the magic cabinet that oh she was boy. like never again like can you imagine how powerful someone's witchery witchcraft (laughs) has to be that they look you dead in the eyes and they're like it was too much I promised myself I'd never go back like that's (laughs) honestly like no one's ever said that to me and I'm not gonna lie all I did was pique my curiosity (laughs) well to be continued yeah TBC (laughs) thank you so much girl thank you